Blog Talk Radio. Play Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. That's right. Thank you to everybody out there in Philly and PHI Apparel for holding us down, being a sponsor for the Sports City Chefs. That is for sure. <clears throat> Again, come check us out. We got shows weekly, uh, at least throughout the, the first four or five days of the week. Uh, incredible stuff. The month of March is past the midway mark, and it is so maddening. It's not even funny. Uh, too much stuff to get into. I mean, all of the sports are at a, a premium. Uh, the NFL, which just ended a month ago, has some supreme, supreme news going on. The NHL is at a high with some moves happening and, you know, scores and standings of this nature. MLB is coming around the mountain when they come with a lot of moves going on right now as well. And, of course, basketball across the board. I mean, college is the, the king at this point. Um, even though the NBA is probably the better of the two, but everybody loves March for the month of March Madness, the national championship run, Final Four, however you look at it, everybody's at the edge of their seats. There's upsets, there's Cinderella's, there's there's so many different issues that you could run into that uh, you could just think of at this point in time, and I have to give credit to this month of March. So <clears throat> first and foremost, let me get into the biggest respectable news is LeBron James actually passing Carl Malone for number two on the NBA all-time scoring list, which is an incredible feat, uh, nearing uh, 37,000 points. I think he's supremely close to catching Kareem within the next season or so. I think he'll get it next season and becoming the uh, all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Uh, first player with 30,000-plus points, first player with – 10,000-plus rebounds, first player with 10,000-plus assists. So while I'm here until everybody starts to fill in, uh, this is an incredible feat for him, you know, fresh out of high school, uh, all of the accolades and everything that he was expected to stand up to, he has. Uh, He's done a great job, you know, being an ambassador, especially somebody that a lot of people could follow behind from the state of Ohio. Nobody would have ever expected a player of his caliber coming from the situation that he was in, a single mom, so on and so forth, to be the face of the league. Um, However, 
the 2020 season, he won a championship in L.A., well, in Florida during the uh, bubble situation. And then after that, it kind of slowed down. It's like it's great that he's able to put these numbers up. You have been able to put this team together for you guys to be stronger, and the team around him has not been playing strong, in which there are different multimedia situations that have been out there saying that he is stat padding. And this isn't just from the talking heads that you know from your local water cooler or your your barber shops or, you know, things of that nature. These are actual, you know, analysts of the game that's saying that he's stat padding. And um, it's interesting to see what happened uh, for this to come to this part. Now, I get it. <clears throat> he just passed Carl Malone, and that's, that's tough. I, I can't even get past or fathom what he's able to bring to the game at this point in time. But – um. Like, let, let's just look at what one of the guys that actually said. The Lakers are now 11 games under 500, right? In which they could potentially end up shutting down Anthony Davis due to his injury. And then you have a situation where LeBron is in a situation where he could end up getting hurt. He's putting more miles on his body. And he's more enamored with not only catching Carl Malone and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but also... Uh, trying to maintain the run for the scoring championship or for the season because he leads the league. And uh, he's doing a lot to maintain that, which is it, it's, a, it's a feat all in itself. But <clears throat> if it's a situation where you're leading the league in scoring and you guys are losing heavily, these are things that are in question because they call these empty stats because these stats don't mean anything if you're losing. So they are in the ninth seed in the Western Conference. They are 11 games under 500, and it's like we need this turnout to be better for it to be respectable, at least for this season, not his career. I don't want to totally badmouth his career because his career is phenomenal. You can't overlook what he's able to bring to the game. But looking at what he's doing in this season in the Western Conference, he's trying to fight to be a play-in while the 10th, 11th, and 12th seed teams are fighting to catch the Lakers, and the Lakers are losing a lot of ground. Um, I don't know if this is comfortable for him to be trying to do so much when the team isn't there as a full unit. Um, I'm actually looking at the standings right now, and it's damaging uh, for this L.A. Lakers team to be where they are with the pieces that they do have available. Now, I get it. Anthony Davis is not there. Uh, he had a severe ankle roll, which they were listing as a fracture. I want to look more into the details of it because I think his reevaluation should be coming soon. I want to say within the next week or so. But still, yet yeah, it's an evaluation. <clears throat> it's not him returning. So if he's not up to par, he'll still be out. And uh, if they don't make the postseason, they're going to shut him down or, or be in a position to be favorable uh, for this playing situation. The Lakers are now 30-41. and 41. The Pelicans are 29-41. If the Pelicans win their next game, they're tied, uh, which would be incredible to see how this goes forward. And also you have – which I don't think the Spurs can catch up. They're three games back, unless the Lakers just start losing out. I really don't. And the, uh, the thing about the Spurs is uh, looking at what Pop was able to do in breaking a record also. He also broke a record this season of uh, catching Donnie Nelson for all-time wins. It would be interesting if he got to a postseason run and was able to do something with the Spurs if he won to play in and was an eighth seed and brought a threat to the Suns or whoever were up there, which it looks like more likely that it is the Suns that may end up maintain, maintaining that spot. <clears throat> but still yet, um, I'm not comfortable with the way the Lakers look. I, I want to actually look and see who the Pelicans have next. And the Pelicans are playing today, if I'm not mistaken. I am going into their situation. The Pelicans are sent. They play the Hawks on the 20th. So that is today. They will be playing at 6 p.m. It's in Atlanta. Uh, that's tough. I would actually favor the Hawks in that matchup. If they get the Hawks, if the Pelicans beat the Hawks today, they are tied with the Lakers for that ninth, 10th seed, however that looks, right? And I don't know who wins the tiebreaker because the last time they played, the Pelicans beat the Lakers in L.A. So I'd, I'd have to look at the head-to-head to see who would have that or how that goes down. But the Spurs or the Blazers, which I think the Blazers are going to end up starting to lose out because they really don't have the pieces to start contending right now. Um, but either the Spurs or the Blazers make the run at this postseason uh, to actually catch the Lakers, which I doubt they have in their bag. But nevertheless, um, again, 
if the Lakers are to end up losing more games, do they shut him down or do they let him contend for the uh, the scoring championship? Which I think that's what he's going for to get a scoring title. Uh, I don't think he's playing to win a situation toward the playoffs. There was a game that they had this week up against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he was throwing all arm passes. Like, like he didn't care. He didn't want to run with the team or anything. So it's like, is his heart involved? Is it more or less just him scoring for himself, being making it a selfish feat? I think this is more of a selfish situation in which they're saying that he's supposed to stick around and play till his son comes around. <clears throat> I'm looking at it like this. I think LeBron plays until LeBron James Jr. gets to the league. I, I don't think that's right. I, I get it like, oh, he's going to prove to pass the torch, so on and so forth. His son is in his junior year in high school. He'll be a senior, if I'm not mistaken, right? He'll be a senior upcoming season. And then he's going to be a freshman after that. So this is in two years, which I think LeBron can play two years, right? But I don't see LeBron James Jr. being a one-and-done caliber player. He's not a Carmelo. He's not a Anthony Davis. He's not a LeBron James. He's not a Kevin Garnett. He's not a – like I'm trying to think of all of the, the guys that came straight out of high school or one-and-done the situation and got into the league. Like I feel like he still has some things to work on and show. Like he does – he's able to shoot the ball. He can shoot. Uh, he distributes. He can get up off the floor. He can dunk. Um but his, his stats across the board aren't showing that, so we're going to have to see him, like, showcase this talent across the board to see uh, if he's able to help a roster in the NBA. And who's to say the Lakers get him? Like, I don't I don't think the Lakers are the team that gets him, so he's going to end up being on a team that's at the bottom of the league, and LeBron's going to force his way there to play with his son or play against his son, you know, so – LeBron not only may not be able to play with his son, it's going to be interesting to see him go against his son, um, which he's trying to hold face in doing. And the crazy part about that is, is do you continue to play like this when the team that's around you, aren't? they're not supporting you? And will they be there? Russell Westbrook is a player that's going to end up leaving at the end of the season. The team and Russell actually agreed to part mutual ways, so that's at the end of the season. And then you have – Anthony Davis, that's going to be the guy holding the gun, but he has so many injury issues. He needs the help. Carmelo Anthony is looking like a shell of himself. I know he's going to try to remain on a roster as much as possible. If a team wants him, he'll play. But it's looking like he's in the, the latter legs of the situation at one point of, what, two or three years ago, nobody in the league wanted him. So that that's another tough scenario in itself. If Carmelo doesn't end up playing, you get another piece to lead. Dwight Howard's looking like he doesn't have it more in the bag, more or less. Uh, who else do we have? And then, and then the LeBron situation. Like, and I'm looking at that as if he sticks around and his legacy starts to take a dip because of what's happening on the floor. Not him personally. Not what he's able to do. At the end of the day, LeBron is six eight, two sixty. He's like the queen piece on a chessboard. He can move and do whatever he wants. You're not going to stop him. But if he's taking a dip, like. Last year, they lost in the first round. This year, they're a heavy play-in, may end up having potential of not making the playoff. While he helped get players there or orchestrated or was able to talk to the front office, however you look at it, if there were players that we knew how they came up in their legacies were able to do what LeBron was able to do, how much better the situation may have been for guys like Patrick Ewing or Carl Malone or Charles Barkley or, you know, all the guys that did not win a championship, Dominique Wilkins, if Dominique was able to go somewhere – what 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 could they have said to the Atlanta front office or wherever Dominique went, whether it was Orlando or uh, Boston? So that that's another thing that I'm looking at is LeBron going to sit here and watch the team that he's a part of, whether they look good or not, uh, continue to not be impressive. And a lot of the young players are wanting to play him because he has a big name. If they have a good game against them or they win, they're actually accomplishing a feat that they've been looking forward to do, you know? So, We'll see. It's interesting to see how this goes down, and it was an interesting talking point to uh, try to talk about what LeBron has been able to do at this point in time in his career in comparison to what the Lakers look like at this point in time. Uh, They had a back-to-back. Nevertheless, I do want to be fair. They did play Toronto. Uh, Russell Westbrook actually tried to help himself out after having an interesting game up against the Timberwolves. He knocked down a three to fourth overtime. The Lakers win the game in Toronto up against the Raptors, and then they coded Washington up against the Wizards. 
in which the Wizards struggled against the Lakers in L.A., and then they come back around and lose this game. Uh, well, the Lakers lose in Washington to the Wizards, in which uh, Chris Dabbs for Zingas actually has an interesting game also. So I'm not sure how this pans out. I, I do end up thinking that it, uh, it a lot pans into this game today. If the Pelicans, if the Pelicans can steal this game in Atlanta, this makes it very interesting for the Lakers as they tie up, and they're both going to be 11 games under 500. However, I don't think so. I think Atlanta trying to fight to save their lives as they sit at the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now. They're at 10th place as well, 35 and 35. They're actually 500 on the season. Um, I'm going to try my best to get away from them because there is a lot of basketball to be discussed, though, but I just definitely had to touch on that. Uh, looking at the NFL with the news around the league with Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland also just got rid of Case Keenum right now. Um, interesting enough, Baker is still there, and I'm wondering do they sit on Baker at this point in time with Baker being the starter at this point in time? Deshaun is going to have to go through all his legalities to get everything kind of you know, cleared out of the way, so on and so forth. Um I really don't know how this pans out. I don't think Cleveland will send him to a contender. He's saying he wants to go to the Colts. He wants to go to a team that he can actually work out with, uh, especially while there's an opening in Indianapolis. Um, I, I'm not comfortable with Baker going anywhere right now, especially while he wasn't able to do it with two receivers that are respectable. I, I won't say great, even though one of them I feel is an awesome receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., but he also had uh, Jarvis Juice Landry there as well. He had an interesting running back core with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, a defense that was rebuilding and getting better, if not one of the tougher defenses. And it's like, how do I put him on a team that has a strong, let's just say the Colts, has a strong defense. They need a quarterback to lift them like they had with Phillip Rivers. And also Carson Wentz, where Carson Wentz started out bad, he actually ended up turning that thing around and making it an interesting season, even though a lot of people were talking bad about Carson Wentz. It's a whole different situation compared to what Baker's bringing from Cleveland in a mentality where he's gotten to a postseason, but they were not able to win. And he has that looming around him while he can't really make the throws while people need him to make these throws. Can he help T.Y. Hilton and Pittman Jr.? These guys make a difference in the AFC South to actually win that division. I don't think he helps lift them like they need to be. So there's names that are in that pot like Jimmy Garoppolo, so on and so forth. But, if I had to pick between those two quarterbacks, if San Francisco is really hung up on getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, I would go with Garoppolo over Baker Mayfield if that was the move that I had to make. Uh, I, I wonder what San Francisco is also doing at this point in time, too, if they're going to really stay with Jimmy Garoppolo because they haven't made any moves at this point in time. There's still a ton of time before we get into the next season. But um, is Trey Lance ready for that division while this division is getting better being the NFC West, uh, even though I feel like the Seahawks have basically pushed themselves to the bottom. Uh, you still have the Cardinals that, you know, they'll be getting the, um, DeAndre Hopkins back, uh, depending on what Kyler Murray does at the quarterback position for them. The Rams are the defending champions, and San Francisco is the one that you have to worry about. They've been to the NFC Championship. They've been to a Super Bowl. Um, they gave a heck of a fight up against the Rams, too. I, I mean, it wasn't like they lost by blowouts. Like, these guys are a team that's ready. And I feel like <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo did a good job in the past couple of seasons for them to be competitive in that realm. So I, I don't know what San Francisco's up to. If they hang on to him or they let him go, they gave him a lot of money. But I get it. A lot of people keep saying, you know, if you go select a quarterback so high in the first round, it's not like he's going to sit the bench forever, kind of like what Aaron Rodgers had to do sitting behind Brett Favre. So this is what they have up against them. Um Okay, so we do have somebody in queue calling out of the 615. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? What's up, TP, man? I'm always feeling good when I get a chance to sit down and chop it up with you for the Sunday morning brunch. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Getting into the brunch and the thick of things around the sport world. Um, what's on your Can mind? We at least with where the, you just were? Where, wherever you like. It's the brunch. Okay, so I'll start there, like with the uh, with the Brown situation and and Baker Mayfield and everything else. Man, he had everything he needed to be successful in Cleveland. I feel like you had a a guy who could take the top off a of defense with Odell Beckham. You had a guy with some solid hands who could catch the ball in traffic and Jarvis Landry. 
you, you talked about the running game and that defense. I mean, he had everything, and he was unable to be successful there. So it makes you wonder what teams would be willing to pay the Browns. You know, the fact that they signed Jacoby Brissett, to me, means that they're willing to move on from him uh, if they find something that works out. Uh, especially, you know, you got Deshaun Watson for five years. Listen, we talked about this the other day. On, what was it, uh, Wednesday night when we were predicting places for him to go? I said I thought that Cleveland was going to be the most desperate to sign him with everything that had gone on with Baker Mayfield. So they would find a way to make it happen, and they did. They just, you know, listen, they they took his uh, – they took his $34 million a year contract and basically ripped it up and added $12, more, <laughs> 12 million more a year to it. And uh, just to be, uh, just to make it even more interesting, they, they set it up in such a way he's going to get all this guaranteed money, but his salary this year is actually barely a million dollars. In case he gets suspended, he's actually going to lose less money uh, by putting his salary together this way. So Cleveland did, everything that they had to do out of desperation to make this work out. And so that's what they were able to do. Um, But now I think Baker Mayfield ends up, I would take Jimmy G over him as well. But to me now you have, and and I'm not quite sure, I'm kind of going in my head to see who else gets added to this list. But we got teams that still need quarterbacks like New Orleans, like, Carolina, unless they continue to try to go with Sam Darnell for another year. Um, but you got teams that need quarterbacks, and to me, like, you got Jimmy G, Jameis Winston, and Baker Mayfield, kind of that, that next uh, sort of tier of quarterbacks. Those three guys, I think, are in there together. And I'm, I feel like Baker's probably the last of the three. Like, if I had to put them in, like, an order of uh, selection as far as which one I would want, I feel like that Baker Mayfield's probably that that third option there. I think they kind of shop him around. And I'll be honest with you, though, if I'm Cleveland, if I've got Deshaun Watson with Jacoby Brissett backing him up, I don't care if he goes to a contender or not because I saw what he did with my team and I saw how he wasn't able to elevate us. So I'm not scared of him. Of course, I was talking on mute too, and I caught myself. Interesting enough, you know, depending on how this really pans out for the quarterback dilemma across the league, like I, I want to see where he ends up going. If they give him where he wants to go, I, I, he has to show up. He has to show up. There's no way that he could fall on his face. Like I'm, I'm not accepting him, you know, playing how he is right now. He's gonna have to play with a chip on the shoulder. And I'm trying to like think of quarterbacks from a past that I could be like, hmm, this is ideally what I think Baker could show up and end up doing. I don't think that's him. Uh, but we'll actually see. I, I, um, I, I think they actually sit on him at this point in time until Deshaun becomes completely free or everything's like dropped. Like I get it. Like he's free as a bird on that situation, but I wonder what the NFL does if they do try to suspend them, things of that nature. So, that's something that I think that they're actually waiting on before they actually let Baker go. So I would think they would immediately try to do something to try to bolster the team somehow, some way. They definitely need at least another receiver. I feel like they make their offense comfortable, but they do have a legit team right now. I think Cleveland definitely puts themselves in the talk with Cincinnati. Uh, I think they leapfrog Baltimore. I think they do leapfrog Baltimore until Baltimore starts to make some moves in that division, at least for me. Could it also, could it also be 2TP that – Maybe even though they've kind of seen him on tape or, or seen things about him, could it be, too, that they want to get Jacoby Brissett into, like, uh, mini camps and get eyes on him and actually see him make a few throws and whatever and and, and see what he's got, like, actually personally evaluate him versus uh, just seeing him on tape before they do anything with with Mayfield as well, just to have those assurances that they feel like the their team is in good hands if Watson has to serve that suspension. I'm not comfortable with Brissett because he's been moved so many times, like uh, from New England to Indianapolis to Miami to Cleveland. It's like I get it. He's a serviceable quarterback. He can make the throw, so on and so forth. But when does he become exhausted of what's going on? I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with Brissett at this point in time. I think Baker still the guy that leads the ship in front of Brissett, but if Deshaun was available, I'd definitely give the keys to Deshaun over 
Baker Mayfield. So I think that that will be the fire behind him if Deshaun is able to sit out. Brissett is behind him looming like, okay, well, give me my chance to make a difference on this team. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think Brissett is going to come in here and leapfrog his situation kind of like what he did when he was in the Colts and made it interesting while he was quarterback. And I, I just feel like they have him there for whatever purpose they may need him, whether injury or quarterback dilemma, so on and so forth. I still feel Baker has the edge on him, at least with this roster, at least with this roster. The one other interesting piece to that is I heard that uh, the day before this whole thing went down with Watson, I heard that Cleveland Brass requested a meeting. They wanted to go down to Texas and meet with uh, Baker Mayfield, and Baker's people basically said, no, that's we don't want to do that. Uh, like he said, I'm wanting this trade. So I also wonder if when it really comes down to it, um, is Baker Mayfield actually going to even show up, like at training camp or whatever with Cleveland, if they don't do anything to move him? See, now that would be stunning if he did one of those holdouts because I never would think of a quarterback doing a holdout like this. Like, mm, I, I can't what, – what quarterback do you think of doing a holdout like that to kind of get what they want? Like, I, I can't really think of one that comes to mind. Can you think of one? Maybe. But, but, uh, you know, I'm sitting here going through that myself, and, like, we've seen running backs do it. We've seen receivers do it. We've seen – Defensive ends do it. Uh, we've seen corners do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe even safeties and linebackers. But I can't remember a situation where a quarterback has held out and not shown up, honestly. So that's, that's why I'm like, I, I don't know. what well, Baker can do that. All the players are entitled to do what they need to do if necessary. But if he does this, there's going to be so much in front of him that he has to make a difference wherever he may go. He, or he'll be ended up. And and I don't even want to like kind of put this to him, but he'll end up being considered a bust. He will. Um, I, I don't know if I'm saying like Ryan Leaf esque. I, I don't know if that's favorable, but he'll be considered a bust at least to me in my eyes. That that that's just how I feel about it. Uh, Baker's been given a situation where he was so hype uh, coming out of Oklahoma and all of the dancing that he was doing, and then when Hugh Jackson got let go, in the middle of the field in Ohio. <laughs> like when they beat them right, <laughs> right, and then but when when they beat um I think Hugh Jackson was on Cincinnati coaching and uh when they beat Cincinnati he went over to the sideline where he was to make sure after they scored a touchdown he was in his face like backpedaling and you know kind of like taunt and um now now it's like karma came back and got him so um he's gonna have to at least show some type of interesting showcase from here. Until he gets moved, or if he's in, you know, pre, you know, preseason, and going through the motions with the Browns, he's gonna have to do as, as best as he can to try and get moved out of there for a team that's like bite at the bait. I think one team that might end up doing it may be the Seahawks, if it's not the Colts, but we'll we'll actually see. But um, I'm not totally sold on what Baker does right now. Right, right now he's borderline busting me. Um, I feel bad that it's it's a short, I want to say like four year run for him. I want to say four, um, but I think, like, my bad. I, no, I, 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 do, no, I, think, I think I think bus too, not not as much as as Leaf because he at least did take his team to the playoffs. Maybe in some ways, uh, in spite of him, not because of him, uh, but he at least has been able to do that. But you know, highs and winner, all the hype, number one overall draft pick, uh, definitely right on that that line of being a bust. And, and right now, to me. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we have Saints, Colts, and Seahawks, and then we have those three names. We have Jimmy G, Jameis Winston, and Baker Mayfield. And so uh, unless something else different happens, I I feel like those three guys could end up – could end up on one of of those three teams. It's interesting, too, because – I feel like if Atlanta had done that move, I feel like Matt Ryan would have been, considering what the Colts have done the last few years, I felt like uh, Matt Ryan would have been a prime candidate, trade candidate for the Colts, uh, you know, veteran quarterback and whatever. We'll see what else he has sort of left in that tank, right? But, uh, you know, I I feel like those three teams are, are the ones that are going to probably have those three guys at quarterback in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But I will say that, 
uh, as much as the Saints have kind of gone down with Sean Payton not being there, they they did restructure some contracts to try to make room because they were in that Deshaun Watson deal. It was down to them in Atlanta before Cleveland uh, backed up the truck, uh, the money truck to to get him. Um, but I feel like out of those three destinations right now, the the absolute least desirable of those locations has to be Seattle. Uh, not because of the, the not because of the city itself, but just because of you know, all the people they let go and, and all the, you know, if, if they're trying to sort of rebuild or do whatever, I feel like that Seattle is by far the, the least equipped of those three teams to to have any some any sort of a winning season right now. And it, it's interesting that you threw your team in there. There's the Saints, it, it, it depends on really how Jameis bounces back. If Jameis Winston is able to be impressive with that type of damage to his leg, then they're fine. I, I really don't think they have to worry about it. But I'm not content with the quarterbacks that are behind him. Uh, I I really shame New Orleans for throwing so much attention and money at Taysom Hill. I get it. Taysom Hill is a phenomenon at what he's able to do on a field. But you threw him money like he was a quarterback for tomorrow, and he's not that guy. Um, he may come in and make special plays, special throws, uh, run the, you know, a wishbone, if you will, or whatever, but I, I don't see him being the guy to carry the Saints back to where they were when Drew was running the show. So this is the scenario that they have, and, and I don't I don't think Simeon's a guy that they look forward to or to. So that would be interesting if they were to get him down there to New Orleans. I, I feel like that's another team that could be somewhere for Baker to come down there, but it just depends on what Jameis looks like. Because Jameis was actually doing all right. I can't say that he was doing as bad as he was. In Tampa Bay having an alarming passing yardage year, but ending up throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. It was all of his touchdowns were kind of negated. So he didn't have that type of season going on. The Saints were actually making noise before the injury. So I want to see if he's still impressive. He's, he's as mobile as possible when he can. I don't, I don't want to say he's a, a complete scrambler, but he does the right uh, thing and has a good uh, knack for the game IQ wise. But um, he'll still turn the ball over, but he's actually had, you know, better vision. Uh, in the past season due to the surgery. So uh, it's unfortunate. But we have to see what uh, Jameis looks like before they can entertain bringing Baker down. I'm, I'm surprised the Texans are really staying staying with their guns down there uh, with the young quarterback as well. Uh, but Seattle is another one, like I said. But uh, we, we'll see how they make this move. I, I can hear you, though, Mike, well, what you had to say. No, I, you know, Jameis is still technically a free agent right now. I feel like if he starts to bounce back, the Saints are probably going to for sure try to make him an offer to keep him there since he's been there a couple of years. And listen, there are very few things that are good about Sean Payton leaving New Orleans, right? When you look at all the different things that he has and, and all the good that he's uh, brought to that franchise, uh, listen, he has made that franchise. Uh, they, they had some, they had a few down years at times, but, Listen, the, the the Saints franchise has found more success under the 15 years that Sean Payton was head coach than they ever did in their previous uh, 35 or whatever it was because I think they started in like 69, 70, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I look at that and the one good thing that comes from Sean Payton leaving New Orleans is this Taysom Hill experiment at quarterback is over. Sean Payton was the one guy that fought so hard for Taysom Hill in that building. Sean Payton was the guy that was, I mean, just bullheaded strong on the fact that Taysom Hill could possibly be, you know, his next uh, full-time quarterback. Uh, There are a lot of people in uh, black and gold nation that hasn't believed that and hadn't been sold on Taysom. Most people I talk to, that were Saints fans. They always started, uh, the sentence always was the same. It started with Taysom Hill and it always ended with is not the answer. And so at least, uh, at least we can, we can stop asking that question. That is the only positive of Sean Payton not being the head coach of the Saints anymore. All right. So we will get away from that one man. The call in number is nine, two, nine, four, seven, seven, two, seven, five, nine. Um, the month, of March has 11 days left in it, and I'm not going to lie to you people, this is madness, <laughs> like mayhem, however you want to look at it. Yes. Uh, the, the drama across the board, as much as I'm trying to sit on this, I can't sit on it any longer. Um, 
the tournament, the big dance, however you want to do it. There's a Cinderella right now dancing in the ballroom going crazy right now. There's people getting upset and crying at the doorstep and can't get in. Uh, their tickets have actually been voided. Um, we can do this as best as we possibly can. I could do scores or situations, but, Mike, your thoughts on what you've seen so far in this tournament and also with the game that we have leading up to today, I can jump into scores also. Okay, so first of all, I would like to go ahead and admit that uh, I, I overhyped the Southeastern Conference a little bit in basketball this year. I thought they would make a better performance in the tournament. Um, if Auburn wins today, they will have two out of the, the six teams that made the uh, tournament advance into the next round. Um, Tennessee going down to Michigan yesterday, and then you had first-round losses. I mean, obviously Kentucky uh, Kentucky loses to, to St. Peter's, who then, uh, who then turns around and beats Murray State yesterday. So St. Peter's out of New Jersey just – they listen. They they made sure the whole state of Kentucky, uh, from Lexington to Murray State, uh, knows their name, right? So, uh, but so you had Kentucky going down the first round. Of course, LSU going down the first round after they lost their coach, and uh, Alabama losing to Notre Dame. Uh, so, the SEC is definitely kind of bowed out of the tournament. Auburn has still got a lot of uh, Auburn's tough. They got they got some good pieces. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, Arkansas pulling out the win yesterday to advance next weekend, but you know I, I told you I thought the SEC had uh, had six teams that they believed could make it into the second weekend. We knew they wouldn't get them all, but they're only going to get uh, a third of them. But yeah, St. Peter's in New Jersey. I'll be honest with you, I never heard of them until this tournament. So uh, I, you know that that's the, the Cinderella story you talked about dancing, going crazy in the ballroom. Um, but hey, man, it's been it's been a uh, an interesting tournament. I thought the uh, I thought the Big Twelve did well in the first round. They were undefeated in the first round. Uh, Big Ten flexing a little bit of muscle here and there. So uh, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how it continues to unfold. But those are my initial thoughts. Okay, the Big Twelve did lose some teams, so this is getting interesting. As Baylor actually fell, the national championship has gone down. I will go through the scores, and uh, we will go through there and get into the games of today. So, first and foremost, like I said, Gonzaga ends up outlasting Memphis. Memphis had an interesting lead in this game. Gonzaga fights all the way back, wins this game 82-78, to in which uh, D. Williams puts up 14.7 rebounds in a losing effort. Uh, Drew Timmy has a 25.14 rebound for assist night. And they needed every last bit of that to get back into that game. While he was quiet early, he was the unsung hero at the end of the day. Kansas beats Creighton 79-72, to in which Creighton made this an interesting fight all throughout the game. Kansas ended up outlasting Creighton, moving on into a Sweet 16 bid. The next matchup we have is North Carolina beating Baylor, as mentioned, 93-86, to in which uh, resident area guy and R.J. Davis puts up 30 points five rebounds and six assists for North Carolina. Flagler, the guard, was one of their comeback stories in this game. He had 27 points, three rebounds, and two assists, and he started lighting this thing up late in this game. Uh, unfortunate situation for North Carolina. One of their bigs threw an unfortunate elbow and ended up getting ousted out of the game, and I think that kind of opened the door for Baylor, in which they had over a 20-point lead at that point in time. Baylor fought all the way back to tie this thing up to get into overtime. North Carolina did withstand the storm and ended up winning that game. Michigan wins their matchup up against Tennessee, knocking off an SEC team, 76-68, to 68, in which Michigan is this is declared an upset. Uh, they're in the 11th seed while Tennessee was third. Uh, they go home. Tennessee is at the steps crying, like I mentioned. Michigan moves on into a Sweet 16 bid. Um, they have actually been uh, relevant in the past couple of seasons, pulling this feet off on multiple seasons on end. UCLA knocks off St. Mary's College 72-56 to in a blowout form. Uh, Johnson, their guard, goes off for 18.5 rebounds and three assists in a losing effort. Bernard for UCLA ends up having a 14.95 rebound and four assist effort for UCLA in a winning situation. Uh, in the Big East, Providence wins their matchup up against Richmond, and Richmond was one of the stories, especially with the first round win that they pulled off. But Providence wins this matchup in a blowout, 79-51. to 51. Uh, Kyle 
the, one of their bigs has an 18-point night, five rebounds and one assist, while Hirsch, Horschler has a 16-point effort, 14 rebound and one assist night uh, in a winning effort for the Friars. Arkansas hangs on and beats New Mexico State. New Mexico State had an interesting run as they knocked off UConn in the first round. Uh, they lose this matchup 53-48. to While Arkansas has actually made an interesting run, especially through the end of the regular season going into the tournament run and the tournament play within their respective conference, they made a heck of a run. And right now this was a definitely uh, a tough situation. While they were up eight at halftime, New Mexico State did everything that they could to cut this thing up. They actually won that half by four, but still ended up losing the game by four. Uh, McCants for New Mexico State had a 16-point, 12-rebound, two-assist effort, while Williams has a 10-point, 15-rebound, three-assist effort for Arkansas in a winning effort. And last but not least, Cinderella herself, or himself, however we look at that, but I'm just saying Cinderella. St. Peter's is going to the Sweet 16, winning their matchup up against Murray State 70-60. to In impressive form. I won't say blowout, but this is impressive. Um, Defo for St. Peter's has a 17.10 rebound night with three assists. And in a losing effort for Murray State, Jay Hill pulls off 19 rebounds, I mean, 19 points, two rebounds, four assists for Murray State in a losing effort. Um, we have eight more tickets to be punched for the Sweet 16. Um, what, what game did I mention that you may have thought about twice that you would like to discuss, Mike, before I go into the games of today? Well, a couple things. Um, a, that Baylor took the first loss for the Big 12, the first number one seed to go down. Uh, as I said, the Big 12 was undefeated in the first round and finally took it on the chin yesterday. Listen, we've talked about North Carolina this year and how at times that program looked much maligned. And did he, was Hubert Davidson over his head? What was he doing? Uh, then they pulled off that victory over Duke at Cameron Indoor, uh, you know, late uh, in Krzyzewski's last home game. And that probably was what got them in the tournament. I'm not sure that they would have made – the tournament without that win because North Carolina took some ugly losses this year. Uh, I think Kentucky beat them by 30 or something like uh, they, they definitely took some ugly losses, but then you look at it now and look who's going home and look who's still playing. Right. So, um, you know, it's interesting how this thing happens. They pull off that win. They're able to get into the big dance and now they, they knock off a number one seed it, it just reinforces that whole thing of like, listen, you, you never know until you, until you get there. Right. Like um, I, I think the, uh, the, the other thing like New Mexico state, good win for them in the first round. I think it was, I read something like that was the, the first time it, it, it maybe even the first time they ever made the second round, but if they had made it before, it was like, many, many years ago, some, like a long time, like 1970 or something crazy. Um, so good job by them. Uh, making, yeah, I think 1970 was the last time they made the second round of the NCAA tournament. So good job by them. You know, I, to me, one of the things that, that just makes this tournament so magical is you get people from, from all over the country. You get teams you hadn't really heard of. And um, basketball is interesting because it only takes five, right? So you can, you can have smaller schools or teams that, that you don't really see on other stages or in other sports like St. Peter's. Um, so good job for them making the, the Sweet 16. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, we, we've seen a couple of other teams do it, uh, pull off runs. A lot of times that 15 seed that has upset that number two seed ends up getting knocked out in the next round. But uh, kudos for them. I mean, that Murray State team is a pretty talented club, and so for them to win – and then UCLA, um, listen, they uh, they struggled in the first round against the toothpaste against Colgate, and then uh, and then they come back and and win pretty handily yesterday. Providence was a team that a lot of people sort of had uh, pegged as uh, possibly losing even in the first round. I, I want to say it was South Dakota State they played in the first round, um, who had a, a very very strong season, and they played Providence pretty well, but. Uh, they were able to uh, they were able to advance to the Sweet 16 uh, to represent the Big East there. So uh, so big ups for them, man. And, and so those are just kind of the 
the ones that jump out to me. Oh yeah, last thing, I have a, a bunch of friends that you know. I'm I got the six one five area code. I lived in Nashville for a long time, man. I had. It's funny that you said on the steps crying because I I had uh, people on my Facebook feed talking about they left their reader and they were still crying and Tennessee has to do better. And so uh, that was literally the case uh, for some Tennessee fans. Jawan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines uh, brought tears from their eyes, uh, from the from the eyes of the of the Big Orange fans uh, of the Big Orange fans yesterday. So that doesn't really hurt my heart from all my time in Tennessee. They always tried to uh, they always tried to flaunt how great uh, how great the University of Tennessee was. So um, big ups to Jawan Howard. Hey, um, you know, listen, Michigan was another team that some people questioned whether or not they should be in the tournament. And so they were able to pull it off and, and make it to the second weekend. And I, I think regardless of what people thought about whether or not you should be in there or not, if you found a way to get two wins, especially one over a number three seed, um, like, listen, all that stops now, right? You've got a seat at the table. You're one of the sweet 16, so keep it pushing. TP, you on mute? I sure was. Okay, so we're going to get into the last eight games of the day for the eight tickets that need to be stamped for the Sweet 16, uh, starting off with Houston going up against Illinois. Who do you like in this matchup and why? Um, AAC team going up against a Big Ten team uh, where they are actually notable for the past at least three seasons, but the big man Kofi Cockburn is definitely a monster that they have to concern. Houston is favored in this game by three and a half. You know, this is an interesting game. Kelvin Sampson's proven coach has has, has done really well for uh, Houston. I feel like the uh, the Big Ten is showing up, man. Uh, I'm going to say Illinois finds a way finds a way to pull this out. It wouldn't surprise me either way. But this is one of those games that that I have kind of earmarked today that should be a very entertaining basketball game to watch. Okay, in this matchup, I favor Illinois. However, Houston does have that athleticism at every position that could definitely make this a threat. But I feel if uh, if Kobe stays out of foul trouble, I feel like he could actually make this a big situation in front of Houston while they are the higher-seeded team. Uh, they they're definitely evenly matched, but I'm going to go with Illinois to actually help the Big Ten stay afloat. The next game I have is Ohio State going up against Villanova. Villanova is favored by five points in this matchup. It's very interesting that it is interesting with this point line here. Um, who do you like in this game and why? The Buckeyes or the Wildcats? I. So I say Illinois is going to win the last one. The Big Ten can't win them all. I think that this is one that uh, the Villanova wins coming out of that Big East and representing. Listen, uh, Villanova's always found a way in March to be successful, especially under uh, under Jay Wright. So I'm going to say Villanova finds a way to get this done today and move on. TP. You muted again? Yeah, and I did it again. Okay, so in this game, I also picked Villanova as well. I don't know why this line is that close. I feel like Vegas is up to something with me seeing this. I will not be shocked if Ohio State did pull this off, but I still feel Villanova is the stronger team with them having the experience. The coach and, you know, guys like Gillespie and company that have been through the vigors of every conference championship in the Big East, as well as being in this big dance, as well as the national championship. So I'm going to go with Villanova, even though this line is very interesting to me. The next matchup we have is Michigan State going up against Duke. Duke is favored by six and a half. I feel like this is fairly close also. Who do you like in this matchup and why, Mike? So I'm going to pick Duke reluctantly. Um, I worry about Duke's guard play, and sometimes if you don't have good guard play, that can kind of really tell on you. And in March, and the biggest reason why I'm really leaning more towards Duke right now is I just feel like this is not a vintage 
uh, Tom Izzo team, I think you're going to see them play tough and do some of the things that they do. I think they'll rebound the ball. I think they'll play physical defense. Uh, but I just I don't know that Michigan State has enough firepower to score with Duke. But if Michigan State can turn them over and really uh, harass them, they could make this very, very interesting. I'm going to say Coach K and Duke find a way to get it done and move on to the next round. Uh, but I do not think that uh, – I don't think that they're going to go much further. I, I just don't think that this is anywhere close to uh, one of Tom Izzo's – I ain't going to say even his best team. This isn't even as close as – I mean, this isn't even one of his really good teams that he's had over his tenure at at Michigan State. So I, I think Duke finds a way to win today. But I, I think I think this could be a very ugly basketball game. This is interesting to me because coaches like have identical like power in front of them as their coaching standards, and they coach differently. One is more move the ball, kick, penetrate, kick, and, and watch the open shooter shoot. One is straight power, uh, attack the glass, get rebounds, force the ball inside as best as they can to score points. They may have shooting that could knock down shots, but it's supreme inside presence. Um, I like Duke to win this game, but I really want Michigan State to try to get past Duke. It's just because of the this time of year uh, when you want to see Duke lose with Coach K, and I get it. I know that it's expected for Coach K to get to a national championship and get him to win a championship and, you know, see him off into the sunset for all that he's been able to do for the college sport. But then again, it's, this is this point where you see Duke end up losing this game in a second-round game or Sweet 16 where you're like, this can't be happening again to a Coach K-led team, and this may be the team that could end up tripping them up. Um, I, I give Michigan State a ton of credit if they can make this a game to keep it within the six-and-a-half points. I don't know if they could pull it off. I'm going to go with Duke, but I want Michigan State to win the game. Uh, the next matchup I have is another Big Ten team with Iowa State going up against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is favored by four-and-a-half. How do you feel about the Cyclones going up against the Badgers? I think this is a game that Wisconsin should win. Uh, obviously, they're favored. They're the higher seed. Uh, I, I kind of started doing a little bit of digging into Wisconsin, uh, hoping that, that LSU would be in this game. Um, obviously, they couldn't get it done. But I, I just think that Wisconsin has been, uh, from wire to wire, a better team than Iowa State. Iowa State has shown some flashes at times, but they've also had some uh, – some bad losses there. I mean, listen, they're 11 seed coming in, and though it's not out of the realm of possibility uh, for that 11 seed to pull it off, I just think Wisconsin's a better basketball team. This is very tough because I agree with you that Wisconsin should be the team that should be able to pull this off. However, Iowa State has been able to put up some interesting wins, especially in their conference play and right now uh, in the tournament also. They were not expected to be – uh, in the second round, I feel like they can make this an impressive game. However, I feel Wisconsin is better coach, and I feel like they have a dynamic player in Davis as well that should get them over the edge. I'm going with Wisconsin to win this matchup. The next matchup I have is Notre Dame going up against Texas Tech, uh, in which Texas Tech is favored by eight points in this matchup. Uh, how do you feel about this game, the Fighting Irish or the Red Raiders? Can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, no, that was my fault. I was doing, I did it this time. I was talking on mute. Uh, I think that Texas Tech is, is the better team. Again, uh, listen, Notre Dame pulled the uh, upset against Alabama uh, a couple of days ago. They had the playing game. And, listen, it's not uh, that extra playing game sometimes does work to a team's advantage because sometimes they kind of shake those cobwebs off. You know, they got to come back and play a couple of days later and they got to go from Dayton to wherever it is they're going to play, you know, that that first-round matchup. But a lot of times uh, they come back, they're, uh, they're ready to go in that first-round matchup. And so uh, – but I, I think that you could call it a little bit of a Cinderella, though it's not as big as, as some other ones because it was an 11 seed beating a six 
But much like what I think is going to happen with the Cyclones today, uh, I think that the the clock is going to strike midnight and that chariot is going to turn back into a pumpkin. And I think that uh, Texas Tech wins today and moves on. Uh, this is tough. You know what? I'm going to go against the grain. I think Coach Bray and the Fighting Irish pull this off. I, I think that Notre Dame will actually outlast Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech falls. Um, it's just something about Coach Bray around this point in time. He had to get the play-in game to get in here. Um, historically, he's also been an awesome coach. Just, he's along the lines to me of Coach K and Coach Izzo as well that gets his team ready for these situations. And I feel like Texas Tech may overlook them in this game. I, I feel like the Fighting Irish could pull this off. The next matchup I have is the Miami Hurricanes going up against the Auburn Tigers, in which this is another SEC team that Mike mentioned, who I think is the power coming out of the SEC conference. How do you feel about this game where Miami's actually making an interesting run at this point in time to make their bid toward a Sweet 16 ticket? You know, uh, I, I just don't – I think it's interesting to see them try to make this run. I think that was a, a, a big win for them the other day. But I, I think this is a tall order today, and I think I think the Canes are going to come up a little short. Uh, but I, I, I'm very impressed with uh, – I'm very impressed with the way they looked in the first round. I just don't think that Miami has enough to make it out of this one. This is interesting, too. Uh, Auburn is favored by seven. Um, you know what? I'll go against the grain again. I'm going to go with the Hurricanes to pull this off. They actually played well in the ACC tournament. I feel like they have the athletes, shooters, and bigs to make it interesting with Auburn. They just have to worry about the stud that is looking like he may end up being a top-five pick in the draft. Um, if they can't stop him, it, this is going to be a, a bad night for Miami. But I feel like Miami can contend and make this an interesting game. Miami goes to the Sweet 16 for me. In this matchup, Auburn getting upset it right here at round two. The next that matchup, I, have, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because his father went to LSU, and that's where Jabari Smith should have went to. So I hope you're right, and I hope Miami wins. Why? Why you can't be like that? No, you can't. You gotta stick with your guns, right? No. <laughs> hey, he's supposed to be legacy man. If he had come to LSU, it'd be a different story. But he went to Auburn, so. He uh, he's representing the wrong set of tigers, and so I'm definitely uh, regardless of my SEC allegiance and and uh, you know you you heard me carry the flag for that conference over and over. Uh, regardless of my allegiance to that conference, uh, I'm a Hurricane fan today. I, I'm cheering for the U, and so I hope you're right and I'm wrong on the outcome of this game today. <laughs> We will see. I'll be watching this closely, thinking about the both of us going at it. The next matchup I have <laughs> is a very interesting matchup. The Texas Longhorns going up against the Purdue Boilermakers, in which Purdue is favored by three in this matchup. Who do you like in this matchup and why? This is To me, this is one of the hardest picks today. This one and the first one that we picked. Uh, Purdue, though, you know, comes off with the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Texas and, you know, representing the Big 12, who we've already talked about, was very strong in the first round. Took it on the chin yesterday. And today is their day to try to uh, sort of get a little bit of redemption and try to flex their muscle a little bit. Um, but and – and I think the Big 12 will be well represented in the Sweet 16, but they are not going to be represented by the University of Texas. Listen – It's not just uh, in basketball, but uh, we're talking about the round ball right now, so I'll stick to that. Uh, Texas tends to get to this stage and then collapse. And I just think Purdue overall is a little bit better. They're tougher. They're more physical. And I just think Purdue finds a way to get this done and move on and represent the Big Ten next weekend. Okay, I I think Texas puts up a great fight. I feel like this is going to be one of those second-half second games to see who really, you know, withstands whose final blow. But I feel like Purdue should be able to pull this out. I feel like Texas may make this a game, but I feel like the Boilermakers get their ticket stamp to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, There's a lot of talent and potential on Purdue's side of the ball that I feel may make it difficult uh, for the Longhorns in this matchup. Last but not least, the eighth ticket, 
uh, as we close out today. TCU going up against Arizona in the final game for the evening. The Horned Frogs or the Wildcats in in Arizona. Who do you like in this game and why? I like Arizona. I think the TCU is a scrappy bunch, but I think at times they have trouble scoring. Arizona does not. Uh, And so I think that Arizona just has a little bit too much firepower for TCU. I expect them to play scrappy. I expect them to hang around and make it a game for a while. Uh, but I think Arizona will just will pull away in the second half and, and win this game uh, seven or eight points, maybe even a little more than that. I don't know what the line is on it, uh, but I, I think that Arizona just has a little bit too much firepower. I think that, listen, I think that some of those Wildcat fans will be very nervous in that first half and maybe going into the second, but I think that Arizona will pull away late and win this game. Arizona is actually favored by nine and a half. I agree with you. I feel like they should be able to beat TCU handedly. However, TCU has made an interesting run in the latter part of their season, and especially in their conference play also, to make this a game. I am going to go with the Wildcats to pull this off for the last ticket to be punched here in the national championship to head toward the Sweet 16. Okay, Mike, we are at the ten, tail end of the show. I need a plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you like to promote as we get out of the brunch today. Hey, yeah, and before I do my closeout, uh, do you mind if I take about a minute or two and, and real quick just kind of uh, give a quick update on what happened in the NCAA wrestling tournament this weekend? It was a it was a uh, interesting tournament, and uh, I, I would just like to give a little quick synopsis of, of what happened there because it was fairly impressive. Um, but Penn State wins the national title. They win. Uh, they win five of the ten weight classes. That's only happened uh, four other times where one school has walked away with half the national titles. Penn State did it just five years ago. Now they did it again. Iowa thought they had closed the gap and and they weren't able to. Uh, you also had a guy win his third national title uh, yesterday and has a chance to go four for four next year. A guy named Yanni Dakamahalas from Cornell at 149. Uh, Gable Stevenson, the Olympic gold medalist uh, at heavyweight, uh, won his last match and left his shoes on the mat before he uh, advances on to uh, to his career in the WWE. But it was a good weekend of, uh, of wrestling. I was uh, Penn State wins it. Uh, the the final four, I guess the four teams that got trophies: Penn State, Michigan. It was in Detroit, Michigan, who won the Big Ten, took second, Iowa third, and Arizona State. Uh, representing the Pac-12 took four, so that's what happened in the in the NCAA wrestling tournament this past weekend. Um, and then, real quick, man, uh, check out all of our shows. Check out the blog, the website, all the merch, SportsCityChefs.com. Got got some finger foods coming out. We got all kinds of things going on with the draft and such. Got another baseball show coming soon. So we got we got lots of good things happening here. The brunch on S- Sunday mornings, the cookout on. Uh, Wednesdays, we got the front office show going on Tuesdays. Baseball buffet is coming soon. So we got a lot of things for you. Uh, if you're hungry, hungry for sports, uh, make sure you check us out on the Blog Talk Network and everything that we do here. Also, the barbershop on Clubhouse. We are uh, still pushing up over 8,000. I still want to see us get to 10K by our birthday, but we got to get to 9K first. So uh, keep putting the word out there. Keep sharing the rooms. Keep inviting people. Like I said, man, a lot of times in the barber shop you get notifications before they even come out in other places. So uh, even if you're just driving from point A to point B and you're going to be in the car five or ten minutes, drop in and see what's going on, you're, you're more very likely to hear Timeless's infectious laugh, uh, talking about something or joking around with somebody and just kind of having a good time and laughing. So, uh, listen, I, I challenge you to come by the barber shop. Uh, if you can't, you can't come in there for uh, – for more than five minutes and at least have a smile across your face and find something to be happy about. Like uh, you're not human, man. Your heart's not beating right. And the blood's not pumping through your brain, through your veins, man. So, uh, listen, the barbershop, that's where it's at on clubhouse. Come check us out. Uh, be part of what we're doing there. Be part of our, uh, continuing growing community. And man, once again, if it wasn't for UTP, I wouldn't be here, man. Much love and respect. And as they always say, Louisiana, man, and I'll catch you on the next one. Sports City, check us out all week long. We got shows coming at you day by day. You can smell baseball, cooking up the baseball buffet will be coming around real soon. Uh, the Crossover Cafe will be taking over. 
Uh, we will have another new host taking care of that as well. Um, on that note, Sports City, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, 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 Sports